everybody. Welcome back to Fully Puffed. I'm Grace, and this is my co-host, Catherine. Hello. Evo is unfortunately swamped with work stuff, so she's not with us this week, but she will be back next week. Uh, and we're really excited to be recording again. Yay! Thanks for bearing with us during our one-week break. Oh, I was really sad last week. I was sad, too. It worked out for well for me because I could finish my third dissertation chapter, and I needed that time. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. I still have to do edits and like write my introduction to the whole thing. But yes, yeah, so I overcame that big hurdle. So now I can focus on fully puffed. I mean, just kidding. I still have to focus my dissertation, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so thanks for bearing with us during our break. Today, we are here to talk about Rory's Dance, season one, episode nine. Catherine, are you excited? I'm so excited. This is one of my favorite episodes of the season. It might be my favorite episode of the season. Is it also a favorite of yours? Do you like it? What do you think? Yeah, this has been kind of controversial because I think both me and Ebo have claimed that we don't like it. But re-watching it, I realized I actually love this episode. I It's just so intense. It's so emotionally intense. And it's hard to enjoy the good parts at the beginning. Like yeah. The first half when you know what's going to happen in like the last five minutes or four minutes or whatever. No, I completely agree. I also find the end hard to watch. And I think it's like, it works really well narratively because everything does go so well until those last four to five minutes, but they do such a, an affecting job of blowing everything up at the end <laughs> that it's almost like too powerful. And you're like, oh, I don't want to watch this part ever again in my entire life. Yeah. I found myself like turning the volume down really hard and like watching through my fingers. Oh. Yeah. It's also like a really loud, like they really go at it and the camera like focuses up closely on their faces. It is, we'll talk about it. It's intense. Yeah. So before we get into that, we wanted to start off as we always do with our episode summary, just so you guys can be oriented with what's going on. So as you can probably tell from the title, this episode is about Rory's dance. In the cold open, which is at Friday night dinner, Emily mentions that Chilton is having a formal and Rory says she doesn't want to go. But after a bit of encouragement from Lorelai, who wants to make sure that Rory kind of gets out of her shell, Rory decides to go. She asks Dean, and though he's never been to a dance before and isn't all that excited about wearing a suit, he agrees. The night of the dance arrives and Emily comes over to take pictures. And when she finds out that Lorelai's hurt her back because she made Rory's dress and a mannequin like fell on her while she was making it, Emily insists on staying the night with Lorelai to make sure she's okay. We get some of my favorite Emily and Lorelai bonding moments here, including when they realize that the mashed banana on toast that Emily makes for Lorelai is really gross. And it seems like they're edging towards a mini relationship breakthrough. Meanwhile, at the dance, things are also going really well. Rory looks great. She and Dean do some slow dancing, and she finds out that Paris had to bring her cousin because she couldn't get a date. Of course, Tristan has also been watching from a distance the whole time. He wanted Rory to go to the dance with him, and he gets jealous when he sees her with Dean. He confronts Dean and actually tries to fight him, but Dean refuses, saying that if they fought, I'd kill you, idiot which we'll definitely talk about, and Rory and Dean head out. That doesn't put a damper on the night, though. They're having a great time, and since they left the dance early, they decide to walk around Stars Hollow. They end up having the Define the Relationship talk and confirm that they're officially boyfriend and girlfriend. 
Then they look around Miss Patty's dance studio where they start reading the book Rory brought with her and then fall asleep on the yoga mats. The next thing we know, it's 5.30 in the morning and Miss Patty and her yoga class have discovered Rory and Dean fast asleep. Rory runs home and while Dean tries to come with her to explain, she tells him he can't. Meanwhile, back at Lorelai and Rory's house, Emily has woken up and discovered Rory isn't there. She starts freaking out. She shakes Lorelai awake and is absolutely losing her mind when Lorelai gets a call from Miss Patty telling her that Rory and Dean were found there. Emily freaks out even more and insists that Rory is going to get pregnant and ruin everything, just like Lorelai did. Lorelai insists that Rory isn't like her, that she's not going to get pregnant, and that even if she hadn't gotten pregnant, Emily still would have lost her. She then kicks Emily out of the house, and Rory, who snuck in at the tail end of the fight, manages to slip into the kitchen without Emily seeing her. She thanks Lorelai for defending her, but Lorelai then turns to Rory and starts flipping out on her, telling her that she's going on the pill. Rory insists that Lorelai knows she didn't do anything wrong and that she's only upset because this gave Emily an opportunity to call her out. Rory storms away and the episode ends with Lorelai sitting at the table alone. That was the stressful end of the episode we were talking about earlier, of course, if you couldn't tell. And it is stressful. I just want to like jump into director, writer, et cetera, because there's not much to report. So this was written by Amy Sherman Palladino, directed by Leslie Linkaglatter, and then Genji Cohen is also on as a producer. At this point, I don't think we really need to tell listeners who Amy Sherman Palladino is. No, I will um, say that this does feel like an Amy Sherman Palladino written episode. I've noticed she loves to write the episodes that have the Emily, Lorelai, and Rory family dynamic stuff. Good point. Yeah, you're right. She did Rory's birthday parties too. Yeah, right. The other thing is that when I was trying to think of like pop culture references, I was like, they're so embedded in the dialogue that for our segments, I, you know, we, we can hit a few if we don't hit them organically, but they're so organic. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of Easter eggs. Yeah. Or rather there are a lot of Easter eggs, but they're going to come up naturally in the conversation. It's not like, oh, here's a random reference that someone threw in because it's the Gilmore Girls. Yeah. I think sometimes in other episodes, it's felt like they know that this is a show that Amy Sherman Palladino likes to put pop culture references in and the, the writers are like, okay, let's just throw this in here. I think that's a really good call that, that you sense that it feels like organic to the character's speech yeah. because ASP is writing it and not just like they're throwing random references in. Yeah. And then Leslie Linkagladder, other credits include Twin Peaks, Mad Men, Homecoming. Most significantly, though, she's also the director of the pilot episode. So, you know, that's what, like we were just discussing. This feels like a pure Gilmore Girls episode. You know, this is like Amy Sherman Palladino's original vision and the, the director of the pilot. The core team is here. Yeah, exactly. So that's all I've got to say for that. No, yeah, let's just go into it. I'm really excited. So at the cold open, as usual, we're at Emily and Richard. So Richard is on a business trip to Prague because they couldn't afford him in this episode, I guess. And we find out from Emily that Chilton has a dance coming up. You also pointed out when we talked about earlier, when we talked before this, that you think that Lorelai's avocado hating hasn't aged well. I agree. I love avocado. I don't know anybody who dislikes avocado. Right? It's such a weird thing to dislike. Yeah. Also, we'll talk about this with banana toast, but I'm like avocado and like mushy things spread on toast. Like this is very food blogger. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Emily is serving. First, she's putting avocado in the in the entrees. And then we find out that she's been serving Lorelai like mashed banana on toast since she was a kid. in like, I guess the 70s, like she is ahead of her time as a food person. 
though I will go on the record as saying, and I'm sure I'll repeat this multiple times throughout the episode, I love that the mashed banana on toast is gross. I think that it works so much better as a plot moment and as a bonding moment than if it had tasted good. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so basically all we get out of this scene is that there's a dance, Rory doesn't want to go, and Emily, you know, it's, it's pretty all in on insisting that Rory should, and Lorelai's like, you know, she shouldn't have to do anything she doesn't want to, but later in the car, she says to, to Rory, you know, I just want to make sure that you're not going because you really don't want to go and not because, you know, you're afraid and, and you know, you're, you're worried that the kids won't accept you and that Dean won't go with you and all that jazz, and I think this is a pretty good parenting moment. Yeah, for sure. I like how Rory says, I don't like dances or I hate dances or something. And Lorelai's like, well, you've never actually been to one. So <laughs> Rory's like, I hate dances. And Lorelai's like, yeah, no, true. She goes, you've never actually been to one, though. I think the reason so much of this episode works for me is because we really do get so few of that like typical high school show stuff from Gilmore Girls. I mean, it's front loaded in this in the early episodes, but we this is the only dance we get. Rory doesn't go to prom. She wants to go to Stars Hollow prom, but it doesn't happen because of Jess drama. We really rarely get a lot of like typical things we would expect from a teen show. And that continues through to college, too. We don't get like Rory rushes a sorority or anything like that. Even the Life and Death Brigade stuff feels a little different. So I think when they do choose to do moments like this, they don't feel like expected or rote. They feel kind of exciting. And they're always shot through with like the, the different perspective of like, they always have a Stars Hollow component or we know Rory's not a person who's like super jazzed about all of this stuff. So it's her experiencing it for the first time. So I think it, for me, at least it feels more novel. Yeah. And like, I don't know, this, she's, is she in 10th grade? She's in 10th grade, yeah. I don't even remember if I went to school dance ninth grade now that I'm thinking back. Were you a high school dance person? No. Well, kind of. Okay. Yeah. I um I'm I'm not a joiner. <laughs> Wait, what is I'm sorry, uh, listeners, I'm quoting Dean from later. What does he say? He's like, I have better things to do with my time. He's like, Yeah, there's other things I would rather be doing with my time. I'm not <laughs> a joiner. <laughs> this is just after by the way Rory's like do you work on Saturdays and Dean goes no but sometimes I come in when I don't have anything better to do what you're not a, you're too cool to go to dances but you just randomly show up at work sometimes when you're not on the schedule <laughs> oh my god okay. you're a loser Dean get it together um, okay, so I was showing Grace some of my disposable camera <laughs> dance photos from like 2003. I went to senior prom when I was a sophomore because I was dating a senior. And the whole thing was sort of like very stuck up, like I'm too good for this. Or I don't, you know, I don't know, like sort of like Rory saying like, it's going to be bad music and too many people and stuff. And so I always had this attitude of like, oh, I'm above it all. Like I would I'd wear like vintage clothes and just go with my friends and have fun but then every single time that I went I loved it and had a great time and I have great memories and so it's funny looking back but like even though I wasn't a dance person I really like I really like them I'm curious to hear about your experience because when so when I was in high school I will say this was like 2001 to 2006 I guess 2002 I don't know this is like the height of people really going overboard 
you know, tanning salons and like getting hair done and nails and getting a limo. And like, I just didn't, was not interested in any of that. So I feel like it was more rebelling against the culture of the time than I was against dances. Yes. I, so, okay. So I was in high school from 2008 until 2012. That culture was still going on (laughs) at that time. I did not go tanning for dances. Um, My parents did not let me go tanning. Then my mom was always like, just lay out in the yard. And I was like, that's boring. Uh, So I never did. I was always really pale, but yeah, we, I mean, people got fake nails. I got fake nails. We didn't take a limo to anything except prom. And that was because our prom was 45 minutes away because they pulled all of our money and rented out a really nice building. And like, so they combined the junior and senior prom together. And we did have sit down dinner and it was really good. And I ate a lot, <laughs> but I, I think that, yeah, I mean, in New Jersey, ugh, I'm from like the Philadelphia area and it's definitely, I'm very done, done up in my pictures. Like my hair is very done. I'm, we're going to post our pictures <laughs> on fully puffed social media. I mean, I have eyelashes and this is like before people really wore fake eyelashes. I have like, a, you know, I have a, a do, I have a dress. I still look cute. Like they actually aged pretty well, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely done up. Listeners, I'm outing myself as a not cool person because I love dances. (laughs) I loved dances in high school. I went to every one of my homecomings and I went to three proms and I just really like to dance. I think that's the, really the big thing. I love dancing and I like getting dressed up. I mean, now that I'm an old person, it's a little harder to get me off the couch to get dressed up. But when I was 17 and I had a lot of energy, I had a really good time. I went with friends my freshman year homecoming. And I think I went with dates all the other times that we would kind of go and like, you know, we would go to somebody's house and like take pictures in a big group. And it was always more about like dancing with my friends similarly, which is interesting that Rory has sort of much more of like a date experience at this dance that I think is more typical for, for most high schoolers. Yeah. I, so for my boyfriend, senior prom, we were, we did more like a date. We'd been dating the entire year. So we were, you know, like really together. I'm curious though. Well, you know what? We can wait till we actually talk about the dance. Cause I've, I feel like Madeline and Louise look like they're just there as friends. They do. But then I guess I assume they have dates. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Cause in like in my high school, you didn't have to have a date to go to a dance. It was not a big thing at all. Like Paris didn't need to ask somebody. I understand it being like social pressure for her, but you didn't need to go with someone. Maybe prom, you felt like you had to go with somebody, but this to me seems more like a, not even a homecoming, maybe homecoming like style, but more of a casual thing. Yeah. Like seeing Madeline and Louise just together made me think like, why didn't Madeline, Louise and Paris just go as a trio? There is an implication though, that you have to have a date. Yeah, I think so. And I think that even if you didn't, Rory would want to take Dean. So yeah, let's talk about that. So Rory, one of the reasons she's nervous about this dance, but also excited is because she wants to take Dean. The next scene is she starts talking to Lane about it. And Lane's like, why wouldn't you want to take your boyfriend to a dance? Like, why would he say no? And Rory's like, oh, he's not my boyfriend. Lane's like, well, you guys spend a a lot of time seeing each other and not hooking up with other people if you're not boyfriend and girlfriend. (laughs) I love like relationship advice, Lane. I know, but that seems very un-high school to me. Like in high school, it's like if you're kissing someone, you're boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh, yeah. In high school, if you're like texting, you're boyfriend and girlfriend. And that wasn't just like, a, oh, girls thing. Like guys assume that too. Or like whatever gender, whatever partner you're dating. Like that's just, that's high school because you're not like, you know, you don't have much dating or life experience. No. 
So yeah, Lane is correctly, she's like, you have to have the, she doesn't say define the relationship talk, but that's sort of become the common parlance for it, like the DTR, define the relationship chat. And she's like, you have to do it now because uh, I need entertainment this week. My mom threw out my TV when she caught me. <laughs> what did she say when she caught me watching VIP? Yeah. I don't even know what VIP is, but I assume it's like some sort of show at the time. Do you know what it is? I thought. I thought it was something on MTV. MTV, I was going to say, it sounds like a, like a TRL kind of thing. Yeah. Not that uh, it really sounds like she would watch that, but. No, they're still, again, they're still figuring out some. There's still, there's still some kinks, even with the, the ASP, Leslie Linklater team, they're still working some kinks out. Yeah. So wait, so you had boyfriends throughout high school. Huh? Do you remember having a like relationship talk or? <laughs> no. No, I don't. I, this seems very foreign to me. Yeah. No, I don't remember this at all. Oh gosh. I know. I don't know. I just think it was culturally very different. People used to say talking, like you were talking to someone as a prerequisite to dating, like to being boyfriend, girlfriend. But I don't remember when that actually, like how people navigated that progressing to boyfriend, girlfriend. Yeah like 2000 2001 times were different I guess it's lost time in my mind <laughs> but yeah so Rory goes in and Dean like Dean is working she goes into doses to try to talk to him Dean is like do you want to help me he like tries to get Rory to help him with his like stock boy job I'm like I don't think you can just come into someone's work and assist them at their job no <laughs> like Dean get it together and so she you know she kind of fumbles around asking him to the dance and she's like you know it's this kind of thing that my school is throwing blah 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 and I don't think she's unreasonable about being nervous to ask him not because like there's any reason he's gonna say no but I think that guys can be weird about dances I don't know if I'm wrong about this but I think that there's a particular type of guy who's like, I don't go to dances or like he's at a dance and he's like, I don't dance. Like a lot of guys don't like dancing. And I'm not surprised to learn that Dean is that type of guy. <laughs> no, but I just think he's so awful. Like his line about not being, I'm not a big joiner. is like such a proto Jess line. It is. And you buy it from Jess. Cause you're like, yeah, Jess is like, going to like smoke weed and hook up with like a hot girl during dances with Dean you're like shut up what else are you even doing man and I mean this is like oh uh... <laughs> yeah, so he he's like oh you know I've never uh, I've actually never been to a dance and it's like that's fair he's 16 like I don't know I feel like some of my guy friends skipped our like high school homecomings and stuff like that and like that's not a big deal but like the I'm not a big joiner line I think it's supposed to be not like sarcastic but I think it's supposed to be like a little like snarky, sarcastic, like a little self-aware, but I think Jad- Jared Padalecki can't act. So it comes off as annoying. Yeah. Oh wait, I, I, I actually wrote it down. So it's, um, I've never been to a dance before. And then Rory says, because they're lame. And then he says, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way I wanted to spend my time. I'm not a big joiner. Which is ironic because when they completely changed Dean's character in like season two and then to much more of an extent season three, he becomes like the biggest joiner of all time. He becomes like Mr. Stars Hollow High. He's on the hockey team. He's like basically essentially like the school's big man on campus. And it's just so funny to see this version of Dean. Yeah. And but I mean, even in season one, isn't season one, Christopher shows up in season one, right? Yeah. Oh, he plays on the softball team. Yeah. Like the rec softball league. 
So, oh yeah, I'm not a joiner. I just play uh, Stars Hollow softball with Luke. With like a bunch of men in their 30s. Like, Dean, it's a lot less weird to go to a high school dance or be on a high school hockey team than like play adult softball. (laughs) (laughs) I will say though that I find Dean less annoying in this episode than I find him in almost every other episode. Hear me out. I think it's because... His, his annoying behavior in this one, number one, is contrasted against Tristan, who is really so awful in this episode, and also falls within, like, acceptable patterns of, like, annoying teenage boy behavior that I'm familiar with. Like, oh, I don't want to go to a dance. Oh, I don't want to wear a suit. Like, that's just immaturity versus, like, Jared Padalecki or Dean does some genuinely weird stuff in other episodes that I'm like, what is the explanation for this other than creepiness? And so this, I'm like, okay, he's annoying, but he's not awful. Yeah, I guess I just feel, okay, I feel like he makes Rory feel bad for asking him to the dance and then later for asking if they're boyfriend and girlfriend. But in this rewatch, I was thinking once again, I think maybe it just plays badly I'm, I'm also I'm trying not to be too mean Jared Padalecki is a human being yeah we, we don't let we don't dislike Jared Padalecki he's also he's a child like it's different I can't act can you act I don't know uh, <laughs> on, like in front of a camera probably not yeah like it's I don't know but I so I, I feel like maybe with the line they I've never been to a dance before maybe they're trying to imply this is insecurity but he's like I think they are I think they definitely are yeah because he wants Rory also he wants Rory to be his girlfriend so badly clearly yeah I think maybe even later where he acts super weird in that conversation it's more because he's so insecure like he wants this so bad so I'll give him that I think once again plays smug instead of vulnerable and I think that's actually good writing like what they were trying to do there which is like oh he's trying to seem like tough and above it all but like you know he really likes her and that's why he has that facade up and I think you're really smart for pointing that out and I think that it is his acting that completely ruins that because sorry Jared Padalecki but I think that that is a really convincing teen boy thing like a lot of the times when teen boys are annoying about that stuff not that I'm like a teen boy psychologist or any sort of psychologist, but I feel like it's because they are, you know, they're nervous about looking stupid. Like that's when, that's why guys don't dance, right? Because they're nervous. They're going to be bad dancers and look dumb and guys don't go to dances because they, you know, they're, they're worried about that. Or like, they're worried the girl they really like doesn't want to go with them or that they'll look stupid in a suit. So yeah, I think that's accurate writing. I think you saying that instead of playing insecure, Jared Padalecki plays smug. I think explains a lot of what we find annoying about Dean throughout the show. Yes, I'm really trying to like keep, cause yeah. there will be plenty to hate Dean for later. Right, there's actually plenty of stuff that is like written bad for Dean. I will say that in a show that Amy Sherman Palladino is so, not controlling in a bad way, but she just has sort of, sort of like an auteur-ish vision over, I find it hard to believe that, and I know they like really were sticklers about them getting their lines right. I find it hard to believe that they couldn't get something better out of him with direction. You know, they weren't trying to get that, but maybe he just couldn't do it. Maybe this was the best take. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, maybe it's also possible that Amy Sherman Palladino just sees something that she likes. Yeah. That that just doesn't translate or something. I don't know. If you guys are watching, I know I'm sure we have 
people who like Dean, or even if you're not like team Dean, who, who don't mind him. If you see, do you feel like you, you know, if, if you feel like he comes off as convincingly insecure, or you think that this moment works, let us know. We want to know. We want, we welcome opposing opinions on the pod. In fact, we want them. And yeah, just let, let keep us posted. We don't want to, we don't want to come too hard down on uh, Jared Padalecki and Dean unless he really deserves it, which in other points we do. Yeah, so we go to Rory and Lorelai's house and Lorelai, in one of like the funniest, weird, most weirdly staged scenes ever, Lorelai is like making Rory's dress because Lorelai, you know, she's a seamstress, which I, I was always like, wow, she's really freaking good. Like she must have been practicing for a long time. But you know what? If you're trying to like make ends meet, yeah, that makes sense. She's making Rory's dress and has a mannequin. And I've never like been able to capture the exact moment where this happens or why, but it falls on her. <laughs> and she, I don't think it crushes her, but she falls weird and hurts her back. Right? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> For whatever reason, I remember the hurt back happening off camera. And so this time I was trying to figure out like how, what? It's like you fall weird and you tense in a certain way. And then mm-hmm. they just stage it in a way that is unsuccessful <laughs> in an episode that's otherwise really well done. It does. It's not a moment that like takes you out of it. I don't, doesn't, you know, detract in any way from the episode for me, but I'm always just I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, have you ever worked a retail, like in a clothing store and had to dress? Actually, that's the one job I've never done. I've worked a lot of like service industry and other stuff. And so I've never dressed a mannequin. Is it hard? Yeah. I think it's really hard. Yes, it's really hard. And um, yeah, I worked for Ann Taylor Loft. I like Ann Taylor Loft. <laughs> I do too. Um, I worked there when I was like 18 and I thought about this scene every single time I had to dress a mannequin. I was like, it's going to fall on me. I'm going to hurt myself. Uh, those mannequins are pretty like hefty. Now, they're, they're made of like a thick, what is it? Wood? I don't know. Plaster? I think they're, pl- but they're heavy. They're heavy. Um, like this like dress mannequin that-, that this Right. That's, I guess that's my problem with it. This is not a substantial enough mannequin to cause an injury, though maybe if she like fell weird. I think charitably, that's what I'll think. So she calls uh, Suki over for like to bring her thread because she's like running out. And Suki comes over and she's like, oh my God, you're hurt. And then we get one of we get another scene that is not used well at all but in like a very funny way that's problematic so I we talked about this in one of our early episodes I maybe it was like episode two or one Suki is like presented as having every single painkiller and you're supposed to think like oh Suki's clumsy like so she has all these injuries and I think maybe in 2000 that did not play weird in 2022, Suki opens her purse and she's like, you got Percocet, you got Ativan. Like she's reeling off. I mean, I forget which one she actually names, but she reels off like six medications and you see her bag and she's like stuffed with opiates. I'm like, is Suki, she's like a one woman, she's a one woman painkiller dealer. I'm like, is Suki responsible for the opioid epidemic? Yes, is the answer. <laughs> and like... Yeah, like that yeah. just wouldn't—that would not be a joke. No, know. it's such a weird like choice too. Like they didn't need to have that at the episode, but this is, I think, the last time where they characterize her that way. I think they really watched it back and were like, "This isn't working." Yeah, I mean, I get the implication is that she hurts herself all the time, so she's going to the doctor. They're giving her medication. Yes, but it's still like 
Yeah. And then Emily calls and, you know, is asking about the dance and she's really upset that Rory isn't going and and Lorelai finally reveals that she is. And Emily's super pumped and she keeps going on and on about how Lorelai needs to take a ton of pictures because she's not going to be there and she's not going to get to see it. And Lorelai's like, fine, ma, like, would you like to come with the dance? And she's like, yes. Awesome. And you know, it's cute. Yeah. Oh, I have a question for you. Yes. Maybe we should save for pop culture, but I'll go ahead and ask now. So okay. making a dress out of curtains, I always thought that was the sound of music reference, but you said it's a Gone with the Wind reference. I've never seen Gone with the Wind. I have actually never seen Sound of Music. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so we, we compliment each other. Yeah, Lorelai's like, I'm making Rory's dress and Emily's like, don't tell me you're making it out of the curtains. This is, I want our listeners to weigh in on this. Do you guys think it's a Sound of Music or, or uh, Gone with the Wind reference or both? Does somebody do that in, in Sound of Music? I thought so. I thought that she, Marie makes all the Von Trapp kids clothes out of the curtains, but just from, cause I, since I've never seen Gone with the Wind, like culturally though, I, I think that, I mean, that's a, that's a thing that happens in Gone with the Wind. Yes. Right? It's, yeah. Scarlett O'Hara makes a dress out of like the curtains in like post-war period. And it like, looks like it's made out of the curtains too. Like you can see the fringy when I taught a class on like American myth-making and like racist narratives around like reconstruction and stuff, I taught that movie. And that movie is four hours long. It has an intermission. When you watch Gone with the Wind, you come out of it experiencing time differently. Like (laughs) I've never experienced an hour the same way since I watched Gone with the Wind. Yeah, I think that's partially why I've never seen it. Yeah. I mean, it's also super racist, yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like four hours long, tons of racism. I would not invest time in it. <laughs> Fully puffed fans, it may be where this reference is from. I think it's probably a reference to both because I'm sure Amy Sherman Palladino is a sound and music person too. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I don't remember where the reference is, but somebody refers to Blanche Dubois. Oh yeah, from uh, Streetcar. Yeah, early. Definitely do in the Gilmore Girls like multiple times. Yeah. So I think, oh no, that's right. So Rory's like, Dean's not my boyfriend. He's my gentleman caller. And Lane's like, all right, Blanche. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, Yeah, that's in the earlier scene when they were talking. Oh, that's great. Yeah, they make a lot of streetcar references. When Rory gets that chick in the uh, Donna Reed episode, they name her Stella, or they originally name her Stanley. And they're like, Stella. And Lorelai says that she likes the Jessica Tandy version of Streetcar better than the uh, what's your name the, the one who did the famous. Is it Vivian Lee? Yeah, it's Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah, it's Vivian Lee. Oh, nice, nice catch. So it must be. I think I think it must be a Gone with the Wind reference. Yeah. Amy Sherman Palladino has sat down and watched Gone with the Wind. <laughs> yeah, uh, music maybe. I bet she's watched that too. I don't know. I bet that's, we're pulling from all sorts of pop culture. Speaking of like campy <laughs> stuff, when Emily's like, do you want her to become bitter and, and you know, not participate in anything? Lorelai's like, I don't know, mom. I, she could make some money off it, become like a crazy Oscar Levant type celebrity. I always laughed at that because I could, I don't, I didn't know who Oscar Levant was, but I could picture exactly what type of person she was talking about. And I looked it up and Oscar Levant was like a famously curmudgeonly, like kind of campy film guy. I don't know. It's like that great garden sensibility. Gilmore Girls has that like love to comment on camp stuff. 
But you know what's funny about Oscar Levant? I didn't know who he was either, but I, I looked him up um, before, before we started recording. And I guess he had like a prescription. Uh, <gasps> I did not scroll that down that far in his Wikipedia page. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's on purpose. But <laughs> like long full of pills, but is that a deliberate proxy? This is the painkiller episode. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So then we get the scene where Rory is buying dance tickets at Chilton. Paris is selling them. Tristan like tries to flirt with Paris to mess with her, which is sad. He like compliments her on her hair and she's like, thanks. I got a trim. I didn't understand that joke. I was like, how did he know? And then I was like, oh, the joke is he didn't. He's just like being rude. He's saying, oh, did you get a haircut? Cause her hair is crazy long. And then she's like, yeah, I did. Oh, it's so sad. And then later she says like in another episode, she's like, I know he's just flirting with me to get to you but at least he's flirting with me it's like oh that makes me really sad so awful I really feel bad for her oh I love Paris everybody loves Paris Um, I think if you're watching the show for the first time at this point you're probably like why does everyone love Paris but when my mom was watching with me she's like this girl is so awful I was like don't worry (laughs) I was like she doesn't really stop being awful but she becomes a beloved character Yeah, so Tristan comes up and he's like, asks Rory, you know, why are you buying your own tickets? Are you going with someone? Why isn't he buying the tickets? And she's like, she doesn't just say he goes to another school. She's really sassy and I love it. He's like, what is he, cheap? She's like, yeah, I like him cheap and fat too with like a beer gut or something sloppy too. It's really funny. I know people say Alexis Fidel's not a very good actress, but I don't understand why. I think she just... I think she's great in this. If anything, I think there's some moments in the later seasons I don't love, but I think that's just like the way she's trying to navigate around how the character's written. But I think she's so good as this character, as as Rory. I think she's fantastic. There's also a, a scene that I wanted to point out in her acting later, but we can talk about it briefly now, when like Dean is keeps ringing the doorbell and ringing and, and finally, you know... Or, honking and honking and honking and then finally he comes up to the doorbell and rings it and Emily's like don't rush the lady never rushes she walks like really really slowly and then when she's out of sight of Emily she smiles to herself and like dashes to the door and it's such a really cute little acting moment that is so character building and works so well and is so endearing I was like oh well I just little I love this she's great and she's so I don't know she's so like she's that baby face but she's so confident she seems very confident in her own skin and like yes in the scene with Tristan and Paris the combination of the baby face and the self-possessedness makes her like very precocious and winning in a way that's not annoying I think this character could very easily be super annoying in someone else's hands she also says he's like what are you doing here and she's like oh I just love waiting in lines and that is like a foreshadowing that's not actually foreshadowing for the revival when she gets assigned to write an article on lines oh my god I you pointed that out and I was like wait what is she referring to you're right I totally forgot about I do not think they remember that line from this episode but I love it I always think about it and like obviously it's really stupid that she gets assigned to write that article on lines and she's like pretend that she's really like into the social phenomena of why people wait in lines for stuff that's a great moment too also when Tristan says he doesn't have a date Rory says I hear squeaky from is up for parole do you guys know squeaky from (laughs) yeah listeners if you don't know squeaky from is a manson girl she 
was not in prison with the other girls. I don't think yeah. that she was even at the. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. She was like associated with Manson and she was in the cult, but she wasn't one of the three. So it's like Leslie Van Houten and the other two. Yeah, which I remember at Liz and TJ's wedding, they make a good Leslie Van Houten reference. Too. Oh my God, they do. <laughs> they do. I forgot about that. Yes, one of the girls is like, looks like Leslie Van Houten. And Lorelai's like, who does she remind you of? To Luke. And she's like, ugh. Leslie Van Houten. I forgot about that. Squeaky Fromm, though, if I recall, didn't betray Manson. In fact, she like doubled down and would like hold protests outside of the prison where Manson and all the other girls were. I know she was like a notoriously bonkers one. And she must have been getting out of jail. Like, well, she was in jail at this at this point, right? She's oh, up for parole. And then she gets out around like sometime after 2008 because Catherine and I are also big 30 Rock fans, <laughs> which I've mentioned. And all of our favorite shows have Squeaky Frog references because one of my favorite 30 Rock lines is uh, Dr. Spichemin is like to Tracy, he goes, you'll never guess who I'm dating. Squeaky Frog. She is difficult. <laughs> Just the way I did not do a good job. The way he delivers that line is so funny. <laughs> Guys, you have to watch 30 Rock. I feel like if you're, if you're a 30, I don't know if that there's a ton of overlap between those fandoms. I don't, I hate saying I'm in a fandom. Evo's a big 30 Rock person too. I think it takes a certain sensibility to like both of those things. I actually wanted to point out earlier when you said this episode was hard to watch, that is- <gasps> Hard to watch! <laughs> Based on the novel, um, oh my God, what is, and it's like by, uh, by Manipulate is the author, but what is it called? Based on the novel, um, Stone Cold Bummer by Manipulate. <laughs> That's that's what Tracy stars in, like is his Oscar bait film. Film for his EGOT. <laughs> we have to make more like 30 rock crossover memes for our account. A fun one for this like a like a scene from the very end. And then just <laughs> based on novel Stone Cold by Manipulate. That's really good. Oh my god, I'm gonna do that. I have Photoshop. Yes. Okay. We love, we love 30 Rock. We're definitely going to do that. Please, please like our meme. Yeah. So then we are again, or we go back to Lorelai and Murray's house. They're getting ready for the dance. I love Gilmore Girls getting ready scenes. There's not like a ton of them, ton of them in the show, but there's a lot. And they always give me such cozy, happy vibes. I just love it. They really do a great job of like capturing, getting you, you know, to feel like in the spirit while they're getting ready. Just wholesome and nice. Yeah. Okay. You hate Rory's hair. Okay, yeah, fashion moment. Fashion moment. I like it. Okay, so let's let's go down. Let's do the outfit. Do we like Rory's dress? I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think I would wear it. I wouldn't wear it either. It's just there's some, it's a little costumey. I think it's the color combination with the cut. It's a little costumey. Yeah. Although uh, we both think it would be better with combat boots. <laughs> Yes. So Rory has combat boots on because, and tights. I think she wears the tights to the dance. She's combat boots on because her heels are uncomfortable. So she's going to change them right before. The combat, the combat boots look with that is really good. And I think it's what somebody would wear now. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes the hair look really good. I, I don't like the hair because I think it's a little fussy. Yeah, it is. And I think that even maybe like a low bun would look better. I don't think she should have her hair down. But I think it's just, it kind of has like baby's breath in the back. Yeah. And, it's a little weird. 
it's a little weird. It makes her look a little young too. Yeah, I th- I do wonder if that's kind of the point. Yeah. You know what look I love? And we'll talk about this when we get to next season. I love Rory's debutante ball look. Ooh, yeah, me too. Oh, it's so good. That's a perfect, that's a great look with like the hair pulled back. That's a little bit more mature. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And also she shouldn't be wearing a necklace with this neckline. You gotta let the collarbone shine, Rory. <laughs> Sorry. I do want to make, I do want to take this opportunity to give a shout out to my cousin, Lily, who just turned 15. Happy birthday, Lily. Ah! Um, I wanted to just to say that on the pod anyway, just to send her some love, but also because when Rory comes out in the dress and the combat boots, I was just like, yes, that is such a look. And I thought that is something that Lily would wear now. Lily, you are my style icon. I love you. I'm so glad you're listening and I hope you had a happy birthday. Ah, it makes me so happy. Happy birthday, Lily. Happy birthday. That's so cool. When I see her on Instagram, Lily, I mean, I'm always like, man, I wish I could have dressed like that in high school. And I just think like girls fashion now is so much more just sort of all embracing and at the time, if Rory had worn the boots with that dress, it would have been like a statement. Yes. And people would have been like, what are you wearing? Yeah. Like, even though it would have looked good, people would have been like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember when I was in high school, like, people were just starting to sometimes wear like Converse with dresses. Do you remember that was a big thing? And like, that was like a statement. Like, you, if you were like edgy, you did that. But like, maybe you would bring them to prom, but you didn't wear them for pictures. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so she, I think she looks really cute overall though. I just don't, I just don't love that hair. I've never liked it. Lorelai, I love her look here. This is one of my favorite classic casual Lorelai looks. She has a like kind of tie-dye-ish, like ombre-y, like purple blue shirt with like Mandarin characters on it. I don't know. I guess that's like lightly problematic, but it looks really cute on her. <laughs> and she, oh, 2001. <laughs> I know. And she has jeans on and she, her hair is like a little flippy, but it's really dark and she has lipstick on and she looks super beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does. And I guess, so to, to your point about Roy's hair being too fussy, there's a great scene with a can of Aquanet. Oh yes. Lorelai comes over and is like, you know, Rory, like I need to spray your hair. And she does a big miss. And she's like, this is good for Five slow dances, a couple of fast songs, blah, blah, blah. But if you want to mosh, we need to do an extra coat. And I reminded me that I used to set my face when I was in high school and college with Aquanet. Oh my God, that must have been so bad for you. I know. Okay, so do you guys know what Aquanet is? It's um, it's hairspray, but it's like intense hairspray. It's like what you used to use in like 1970 when you were doing like, or even earlier, like a 60s bouffant. And they still sell it and it's really cheap and it's, it will hold your hair. You could probably go in the ocean and your hair would come out looking exactly as it did. So I even started using it like less on my hair and more just set my makeup, which do not do that. And the weird thing though is it never, like I never developed like what you would think, like I guess a rash or acne, nothing ever happened to me, but like, I'm sure I'm going to get a weird disease from doing that. <laughs> Because I just spray it on my face. So when Rory, when Lorelai sprays her, I always expect her to spray it in her face too. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. I know that like using hairspray as a setting spray was a thing, but I don't think I ever did it. That's another thing teens have now. Like we had setting spray when I was in college, like Urban Decay. But like now teens use setting spray and they don't have to use methods like Aquanet. But I will tell you, my makeup never came off. 
<laughs> so Suki has come by with tacos. I thought you were going to say with more painkillers, even though I knew that wasn't the case. Well, I actually was. I was going to say tacos and more painkillers. <laughs> you know, she comes by with tacos. She is initially the one who's going to spray the Aquanet. Oh, right. it in her eye instead. <laughs> So like directly into her eye. And that's when Lorelei has to spray Rory's hair. So then Suki goes off to the bathroom and you pointed out, like, I didn't quite understand what happens in the bathroom that she puts glue in her eyes. Glue or something. It's So she's trying to put like contact solution or like eye drops in and she's put something in there. And I think maybe it's like, I don't know, like eyelash glue. I don't know what it could be. What do you have in your bathroom that would do that? Something, maybe like a gel. So she like blinds herself essentially. And then when Emily comes over and Suki's like about to leave, she says, and this is my vote for uh, what we call the episode because it's one of my favorite lines. She goes, it was nice to see you, Mrs. Gilmore, or at least make out your shape. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. The monkey lamp line is another really good one too. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. So then Emily, you know, Emily comes over and she's really excited to take pictures and she does. Emily's like a college girl. Like, you know, in, in college, you're like always trying to get your best angle and like you knew you had to take one with flash. And one without flash. <laughs> Emily's doing that. She's doing the flash, no flash thing. And um, she, yeah. So she worries, you know, about to leave for the dance and Dean starts honking at the door and Emily correctly is like, what do you do? Like, he has to come in. <laughs> and Rory's like, but I told him to honk. And she's like, we will wait. And then he keeps honking. <laughs> and Emily goes, he's not a very bright boy, is he? Which like, yeah, Emily, like, yeah, nailed it. <laughs> I just, I hate that scene because like, well, I'm very, very sensitive to sounds and I hate something. Awesome. And like, he is fully like laying on that horn. I'm like, dude, read the room. I, well, okay, read what the are room. Babette and Mari thinking about this? Also, why are they not there? I feel like they would be waiting for her to get ready. They'd be like taking pictures. Actually that, yeah, it is weird. I would expect like the whole crew, the whole, all stars hollow. All stars hollow, Miss Patty deaf. But like, okay. I think Emily, I mean, I agree with Emily because I hate honking. But also, like, if you, that was your... Yeah, I always think that too. Like, if you agreed upon that, it is rude to not make somebody stress out about why you weren't coming out. Yeah. I would be panicking too. I'd be like, am I supposed to go in? Maybe Emily could have gone out and been like, young man, you need to come in this house. (laughs) Emily hates walking on that driveway though. She's not going to go on it for any longer than she needs to because it's like gravel and she has her heels on. That's true. But like, I I don't know. I just feel like Dean is being obnoxious with the horn, but whatever. And then when he rings the doorbell, he does finally come to the door. He rings the doorbell and he's like, ding, 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 ding. I do. Break it. I'm so nitpicky with him. He's easy to be like, shut up, Dean. Oh, wait. So if you recall, I've been meaning to bring this up for a couple episodes in like season five, I think, or four, I don't remember when Dean is married to Lindsay. They have oh family. my gosh. Yeah. And, and Suki and Lorelai over here and it ends with a bit, and this is quoted then later by Lorelai with a big, whatever Dean. <laughs> so I want to bring that early on. Anytime we get mad at Dean. What if we add a segment that's like, whatever Dean. 
<laughs> so we have our whatever Dean moment of the episode. I think that's a good idea. That is a good idea. And it will also maybe prevent me at least from ragging on him throughout. <laughs> both of us, I think. Yeah. And you both too. Yeah. So we'll, we'll save a lot of our whatever deeds for the end. We can comment on particularly annoying Dean moments during the episode. How's that? Okay. <laughs> whatever Dean. Lindsay's so funny. Yeah. Lindsay's Dean's like wife for a while. And then she's sorry. Yeah. yeah spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we spoil so regularly. Obviously. Yeah. So then Emily comes in and you're sorry, Dean comes in and Emily's like young man. And Lorelai's like, this is my mother, Emily Post. And then she she's like, I'm Emily Gilmore. And I always wonder in that scene, it makes me think like, did they name her Emily? Because she's kind of like Emily Posty. Yeah. Now, do you recall, I, I probably should have looked this up before, but I, there was Emily Post and there was Miss Manners. Oh, yeah. Was a like etiquette mm-hmm. person, right? Yeah, she was an etiquette person. Listeners who don't, you know, who were younger than us, and or just didn't have acquaintance with, with Emily Post. Yeah, she would like you would write to Emily Post, and she would tell you what was like good etiquette, or she would put out manuals too for what good etiquette was. And Miss Manners, I think, was like a newspaper columnist, and also put out books. There was another one who did stuff like that. Yeah, I think my mom has a book of like collected wisdom of Emily Post. My mom absolutely has that book too. Yeah. <laughs> I, when I was a kid and I used to just like, like to read things, like anything around the house, I would like read that. I just read like random stuff. Like if there was a pamphlet lying around, I'd be like, well, I guess this is what I'm reading. So yeah, Emily realizes that Lorelai is injured and she's basically like, I'm not going to let you stay here alone all night when you can't move off the couch. And Lorelai's like, okay, fine. And then when Emily goes off into the other room, she goes, oh, a stroke would be so good right now. <laughs> and then Rory and Dean drive to the dance. Uh, Rory can't decide if she actually wants to go in, which is really cute and endearing. There's an Outsiders reference. I've never actually seen the Outsiders. So I, as you know, grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is where the Outsiders takes place. I actually did not even know it took place there. You didn't? Okay, yeah. So it did. I was obsessed with the Outsiders movie for a long time because it's like every hot guy. Oh, yeah. in it. Gilmore Girls is obsessed with it, too. They reference the Outsiders all the time. Yeah. But for those of you who, who might not know, it's like like a class war, high school class war. So there's um, the Soches who are like the rich, popular kids. And then there's the other group that I can't believe I do you remember. God, yeah, but the, the but the, like the poor kids basically, and so the main character's name is Pony Boy, and Rory calls herself Pony Boy, and I'm sorry, you are a Gilmore, you are you are a Soch, Rory. Soch, and Lorelai even makes a Soch reference, which I'm yeah. realizing now is an Outsiders reference. I think like in the Puffs episode, spoiler alert, and she's like, oh, you should have thought about that before you decided to become a Soch, and I thought she was just like abbreviating socialite. No, I guess that's from the Outsiders. Like she's joining that group. So yeah, Rory is. Rory thinks of herself as an outsider, but she's not. <laughs> you are no pony boy, Rory. You're no pony boy. Rory, you are no pony boy. So yeah, then we go back to Lorelai and Emily and have one of my favorite, or part of one of my favorite scenes of them. But so Emily's like, can I see where your crystal, ca- like I'm looking for your crystal candlesticks that I got you for Christmas last year. And Lorelai's like, um, you're not going to find them. And Emily's like, why? And Lorelai's like, I exchanged them. <laughs> and Emily's like, for what? And Lorelai exchanged them for a monkey lamp. 
And Emily, her acting in this, Kelly Bishop is so good. And so is, I mean, Lauren Graham is always great. They're both always fantastic, but they play off each other so well here. Emily goes, when she sees it, oh my God, they're holding coconuts and leering. She then she says, you traded my lovely gift for a semi-pornographic leering monkey lip? How could you? This is not just about the bad breeding of returning a gift. This goes to the very heart of the question of taste. <laughs> amazing some of my favorite dialogue on the whole show it's perfect this goes to the very heart of the question of taste. it's so funny it's very amy sherman paladino yes it also reminds me of something richard would say yes you know um maybe that should be the title of this yeah movie. i really like that this goes to the very heart of, of the question of taste i think that's gotta win I love I it. Really Plus, it like actually relates to the episode more. I mean, like the, the interaction is more central to the episode. You said before we filmed that you really hate monkey themed everything. I, well, okay. I specifically hate monkeys in human clothes. How often are you encountering this? They're not wearing human clothes in, in this, are they? Too often, Grace. Let me tell you. Um, no, no, they're not. I just like, <laughs> I don't know. I think I saw Dunstan checks in like one too many times as a child. What is that? I, I don't remember. It's about a monkey who like goes to a hotel. <laughs> Curious George is fine. Curious George is obviously fine. Yeah, we love Curious George. But like, I don't know. I just like, I don't like monkey humor. I think that's fine. I have like idiosyncratic things like that too. Yeah. So I, get it. I don't like dogs in sunglasses. I don't like monkeys in here. I don't like dogs in sunglasses either. So sometimes I will put a pair of glasses on my dog and be like, it's Professor Maya. That's different. That's hilarious. <laughs> I feel bad because I have a prescription. So I like do it for a second and I hold them really far away from them. Please don't like ab- report me for child abuse. But yeah, I have pictures of Maya in glasses. It was like, Professor Maya. Scholarly dogs. Funny. Yes. Sunglass wearing dogs. Stupid. Poor taste. Poor taste. No, it's not, it's not cool. We don't like it. Um, we're going to make like one of those lists. It's like good taste, bad taste for us. <laughs> also, so this is where I have to mention that I, when I was a youth, my mom had a monkey <laughs> on our piano so when I would practice piano because my parents made me I was really bad and never wanted to practice it would like look at me and it was definitely no offense to my parents less tasteful than this one like it wasn't tacky but it was just like the monkeys were more animated and it had more monkeys and they had bananas I don't know like it was kind of home goodsy so like think about that but it was like enamel and it was like yellow and green I don't know I'll see if I can find it when I go to my parents houses and I'll put it on our our Instagram well, this is why I, I brought that up because I was like, w- maybe I don't like monkey because we've already talked about the Paul Frank monkey. Yes. It, it was a monkey moment back then, I think. And I'm like, maybe it was just like overkill. Like there's too many monkeys. And one day I was like, I'm done with monkeys. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. Oversaturated. I think right. it's really much weirder now if Lorelai had a monkey lamp. I think monkey lamps were like an accepted part of early 2000s decor. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah, it's really, I mean, as much as they're clowning on each other, like it's, we're, we're getting a good sense of Lorelai and uh, Emily bonding here. And it's really nice. Okay. So Rory and Dean are outsiders. <laughs> they arrive at the dance. And as you pointed out, this is the only dance that we, that we see on the show. What do you think of the whole setup? I, think, I mean, I think it's cute. It, 
it's not what my dances looked like because we had everything except prom in our high school gym. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> this isn't like a venue. It's really nice, but I think it looks very too early 2000s to me. Does it to you? Yeah, I, it's super pretty, I think. And yeah, especially like coming from going to dances in, in gyms or in like cafeterias. Yes! there's floral arrangements and twinkly lights and it's all I forget if it's Dean or Rory who says it's very historical Rory it's definitely Rory wait no maybe it is Dean I don't know it sounds like something Rory would say but I can hear it in Dean's voice I feel like the one thing that does not feel realistic and I just realized this is that the music is like fun and fine but absolutely they would have been playing rap like early 2000s hip-hop I feel like at my dances, they were always playing like the hits. They weren't playing like a little obscure music. No. And also, so I was going to save this for the pop culture segment, but like at the beginning, Rory's like, I don't want to go to the dance because it's going to be bad music or whatever. And she says, nine, specifically said, they're going to play 98 degrees. <laughs> and then Laura like counters with, or maybe something, something, I, I forget how she sets it up, but then she's like, or, and they'll be playing Tom Waits, which... <laughs> No disrespect to Tom Waits, but who wants to hear Tom Waits at your high school dance? No, not I, even though I was a fan in high school. Also, can you imagine like you step into your high school dance? You're there with the guy you like. Everything's perfect. And a Tom Waits song comes on. Wouldn't you lose your mind? Yes. Listeners, if you're not familiar with Tom Waits, Google or YouTube. Yeah, right. You can't appreciate what we're talking about until just like listen to five seconds of Tom Waits' voice. I mean, I think this is another Boogie Nights type thing where it was just like, let's drop in a cool like indie reference that is completely insane. It doesn't actually work. And it's, it's a rare miss for ASP because she's usually pretty on, on point with this. If she thinks that's a good thing to hear at your high school dance, then like I need to talk to her. Like at the dance, I, they definitely play Mazzy Star Fade Into You which is a lovely, perhaps overdone 90s song, but like maybe some Oasis. Oh, there would definitely be Oasis. There'd definitely be Oasis. But like, um, wait, no. Speaking of like early 2000s stuff though, Louise and Madeline look prime early 2000s. They look adorable. They were the inspiration for my outfit. I've got a spaghetti strap dress on. Catherine looks really cute. You can't see her though. But... Yeah, they have like spaghetti strap. I think like, is it kind of velvety one of them? And like satiny, the other one. Madeline has this really pretty like red crochet dress. Yes. Louise has the spaghetti strap that's got like velvet. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. both have chokers. Yes. The hair is both up in that kind of like PC fun do. I think it works better for this look because it's so committed, like early 2000s, that it doesn't like annoy me the way Rory's hair does. Yeah, because Rory's hair was, is unusual for this, like, yeah. unique. Yeah. So Louise immediately, like, makes a beeline for Dean because she's like, who is that? Which, like, I don't want to admit this, but, like, I'm, I'm a Louise in that aspect. <laughs> I was actually going to call you out on that because you said that before, and I was like, that has to make it on the pod. But then I thought, well, if she doesn't want to talk about it. No, I'm, I'm like, who is this? Like, Interesting. Interesting. Even though, to be fair, I would not do that if somebody was with a person. I would just be like, oh, who's that hot guy? But Louise is like, I'm going to hit him. So she goes over and she's like, hey, she's like, you're really tall. 
And Louise, she, she goes, all the men in my family are really tall, which like, what a weird way to hit on somebody. <laughs> and then just like, what do you think? You're like six, four, six, two, six, four, whatever. And Dean is like, what does he say? Six, two, which I thought he was that tall. Like Dean should be like six, seven for how tall they talk about him being all the time. So he's like, yeah, I'm six, two. And she's like, is that a good height? And she's like, I don't know. Is it? And then he puts his arms around Rory and he's like, I don't know. What do you think? And it's actually cute. It's so cute. Like another girl hitting on your kind of boyfriend in front of you is got at a dance that you're insecure about already makes probably makes you feel really insecure. And he like completely makes it clear that he's only interested in Rory. And I think it's nice. Good job, Dean. <laughs> Good job, Jared. Good job, Dean. Nice work. I think he maybe could have cut it short a little earlier, but like, all right, fine. I'll give credit where credit's due. This is not a whatever Dean moment. I mean, I want to hate everything that Dean does. And I even I had to admit that was pretty cute. Was pretty cute. Oh, also we find out Paris took her cousin to the dance. Right. The cousin starts hitting on so Paris's date starts hitting on Rory. Yeah. Like even asked for her phone number. And she Rory's like, excuse me? Like you're here with Paris. I'm here with somebody. And he's like, no, Paris is my cousin. You're supposed to see this, like everything is going so perfectly well for Rory at this dance. And this is like the piece de resistance of like, what could be better than finding out that your high school bully had to ask your cousin at the dance? Especially when she's been hounding you about probably not even having a date. So Chad Michael Murray. I just, his behavior is not okay, but I feel bad for Tristan. Oh, come on. He's being an asshole. (laughs) He's being a total jerk. He is. Like he so obviously has a crush and I don't know. I feel how to express his feelings in a non assholeish way. Yeah. So he like confronts Dean. But the other thing that I don't fully understand about this interaction is like, what is his goal? (laughs) I have no idea. I mean, I think that the only thing we can think of is that like 16 year old boys don't really have like goals behind their actions. Yeah. Because yeah, like, what does he what does he want from this? Just like beat the crap out of Dean, and then supposedly Rory will like fall in love with him. I don't even know if he wants that at this point. I think he's just like mad, and he like wants to hurt the person who actually got her. But like, I don't even know if like Rory is factor like winning over Rory is like even a possibility in his mind. But maybe it is. I don't know. Guys are stupid. Yeah, we, we did have that scene of him when Rory and Dean are slow dancing. He's like watching sadly from the distance. <laughs> moodily so we also get like a reoccurrence of dean's suit thing because like dean didn't wear a tie and doesn't want to wear a tie that's his like sticking point and then because tristan's a tie wearing a tie with his suit he's like i'm not gonna fight you it'd be like fighting an accountant which i guess is just because like tristan has a tie on and dean doesn't yeah this is something that comes up later in the debutante ball episode where dean is just like very opposed to dressing up <laughs> Guys hate wearing suits and I don't get it. I mean, I've never worn a suit, but like they never seemed particularly uncomfortable to me, especially when compared to some of the things that women wear for formal occasions. Suck it up, Dean. (laughs) So Dean calls Tristan Dristan. (laughs) And I looked it up. It is a cold, like an allergy and cold medicine. No, it's not. So here's my Dristan backstory. Every time he says that, I'm like, what? Like, did he just, 
I just thought it was a terrible joke. Like he was just making fun of him by like putting a D in front of his name. And then I was like, that has to be references because it's so dumb. But I never knew what it would be. It was an allergy medicine. Yeah. Yeah. I Googled it because it's always gone over my head. I oh my God. Thank Tristan. Thank you. Uh, wait, is it Gilmore Girls Wiki or the annotated Gilmore Girls for teaching me and now Grace and now all of you about Tristan? I love that there's like the, you put the link in our notes and like, it's just like Gilmore Girls and annotated Gilmore Girls backslash Tristan. <laughs> I was imagining it like like Dean was like Tristan was like an alternate universe character. <laughs> Earth 2 Tristan. That's a bad name for an allergy medication. Oh, maybe that's why it's non-existent now. <laughs> oh, that's and then Dean or Tristan's like, yeah, real clever, which makes it seem like people are constantly making fun of him by using <laughs> like he's like so over it. Like, oh, it's something you just have to expect when you're named Tristan. <laughs> I mean, it'd be like, I don't, like, can you imagine that it's the name Ben and you're like, hey, Benadryl. Oh my God, or like Flora and it's like Floney. It's like, that's such a stupid joke. That makes you look dumber than the person. So wow, Dean looks a lot stupider. I don't know if it's worse if he had just called him Dristan, like, and there's nothing behind it. I think that's actually better. Like, referencing the allergy medicine is so bad. And you can only assume that Dean like knows about it from stocking shelves at Dosies. Are you picturing it as Flonase? Because I'm picturing it as Flonase. I want to, but I think in the on the Gilmore annotated Gilmore Girls, it's like in a little box like Benadryl. But I've I'm now going to change it to Flonase. I can just picture Dean like stocking a ton of like Flonase looking palettes, and it's just Dristan on the side of it. I'm like, I'm trying. No. So this is this scene is a lot. It's I mean it's it's one of the closest moments Gilmore Girls gets to high school movie, but it doesn't doesn't even feel like it to me. I don't know. Does it to you? I guess because it's over so quickly. Yeah, it's over pretty quickly. It's pretty dramatic though. It is. Seems like Tristan keeps getting him to fight him, and he's like, "Why won't you fight me?" And Dean goes, "Cause I'll kill you, idiot." Which like, can we talk about that? Are we supposed to assume that Dean is so tough that he just is like holding back? And like he has like a shady past. Like that's what <laughs> I always assume you're supposed to get from that line, but that makes no sense. But this was our Kilmore girls from a few episodes ago. Like, why did they move? <gasps> Chicago. Oh, this is such a good Kilmore girls moment. It's because Dean has killed people before in like high school fights in parking lots. And um, he just has to hold himself back. And that's the plot of the outsiders, you know, the greaser and the, the greasers and the soches get in a fight and I forget who stabs a soche, but. Dude, that, that's like clearly what they're doing here. Now that you say that, it's clearly an outsider's reference. Oh, I love it. I always wondered because everything goes so perfectly at the dance. Are we supposed to think of this is aspirational too, like having a guy fighter for you? Because I don't think Rory likes it. I don't know. No, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then later when they're walking through, when they get their coffee and they're like walking to Miss Patty's, Rory kind of says something like that. Like, I'm not sure how I feel about you, like defending my honor or whatever. It's addressed. It's addressed. Yeah. So they, we can do that. And then we'll go back to Emily and Lorelai. They like, since they have extra time, they decide to walk around the town after they leave, which is cute. Yeah, it's really cute. And they, they have the DTR talk. Because Rory accidentally refers to him as her boyfriend, which that felt very relatable, honestly. I just think Dean is being a jerk here. He's like, he like tenses up when she says boyfriend and he's like, oh, am I your boyfriend? But then I think back to what we were talking about before, and I think it's supposed to just be like 
indicating his insecurity or his vulnerability or whatever. Yeah, it's Jared Padalecki's bad acting. I would agree with you. <laughs> so we're not quite in a whatever Dean moment here. They're playing that that song, that big star song that everybody likes. I don't know. I don't love. I don't love it. You know, they're walking around and then they see Miss Patty's is open and they decide to go look around and we see the actual. I think that's the as, actual pictures of Liz Torres, the actress. I think that's actually her when she was younger because she really was like Miss Patty. Like I listened to an interview with her. She did like all the stuff in show business. She's been like a working show business actress forever. And I think she was like on Broadway and stuff. So those are real pictures of her. And then they take out, Rory reveals that she brought a book, which I love. Yeah. I used to bring books everywhere. Yeah, me too. Even up to a few years ago. But she brings the portable Dorothy Parker and Gilmore Girls is obsessed with Dorothy Parker. Amy Sherman Palladino is obsessed with Dorothy Parker. Her production company is named after them, I think. Yeah. Is it Dorothy Parker drank here? I think so. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny to hear Dean read Dorothy Parker out loud. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so then they fall asleep and we can cut back. We'll cut back to what Emily and Lorelai were doing that night at the time. Because so like all throughout the dance, they've been cutting back to Emily and Lorelai who are bonding. Lorelai at some point does take a pill. I hate that. I just noticed it. I don't want to think that this is just, this is a bonding moment influenced by Vicodin. It's possible that it's influenced by a muscle relaxer, which still is puts you kind of out of your, your head, but it makes sense to me how Lorelai could fall asleep. Yes. Without, you know, no, you know, or like she, she falls asleep and then she wakes up at five 30 realizing that Rory's not there. Yeah. Cause I feel like Lorelai would not usually do that. No. I do want to call attention to two moments. So they're watching, I think it's Double Indemnity. I know you you should because I've never seen it. But you oh, Double Indemnity is so good. It's a classic film noir. It was the first film noir I watched. One of my friends took a film noir class in college. So we would watch all the movies. Barbara Stanwyck is in it. And they're talking about a Barbara Stanwyck movie. And she says, like, you could get the postman off dad, which is the plot of Double Indemnity. <laughs> so I was like, I think that's what this is. And I love Barbara Stanwyck. She's fantastic. And Emily kind of does sound like her. And Barbara Stanwyck is like another classic film icon who was like very witty, very, you know, like sexy and cool that you could see the Gilmore Girls loving. And I love that Emily loves her. And even though like Lorelai is messing with her in the context of, you know, saying you could get the male actor off dad, I think that she really does sound like her. She's that like sexy, husky, deep voice. And she makes, you know, Barbara Stanwyck quips. So they bond over that. And then Emily offers to bring Lorelai mashed banana on toast, which she apparently made for her all the time when Lorelai was sick as a child. And Lorelai's like, no, but then she can see that Emily's disappointed. So she decides to eat it. And <laughs> it, I think any other show would have had it be like really good. And they have it be a bonding moment. Amy Sherman Palladino's genius is that it's disgusting. Lorelai's like, oh, it's disgusting. Disgusting, but she like takes a second to chew it before she says that. And Emily's like, oh, is it good? Laura's like, this, this is the grossest thing I've ever eaten in my life. And then other shows would stop there. But then Emily takes a bite of it and she goes, oh, it's awful. It's like, I don't know why I ever would have made this for It's also, so Emily brings it to Lorelai and Lorelai's like, I'm not eating that basically. Mm-hmm. And then, she, then Emily goes back and gets her a burrito that Suki brought. So the banana toast has been sitting around. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. It's like browning. I don't like banana anyway. So it doesn't sound terrible in concept, but 
cold mashed banana on cold hard toast. <laughs> but then like the toast keeps getting colder and the banana kind of like warms up in a weird way. That's a very unpleasant sensation. I don't think it would be quite as bad as what I was saying, but I, I also, you know what, maybe I could see that being the case. Yeah. This podcast is very anti semi-solid. <laughs> yes. You're, you gotta pick one. You're either liquid or you're solid. Okay. But yeah, I love this. This is one of the moments I think of when I think of classic Lorelai Emily bonding, if not like the classic Emily Lorelai bonding moment. And I think they nail it here. Yeah. And this is also the scene when Emily's like complimenting the dress and complimenting how beautiful Roy is. And Lorelai admits that she made the dress. And then Emily says, you did a lovely job with Rory and the dress. Oh, it's so good. And they really do an amazing job of tugging your freaking heartstrings before they're about to blow it all up. Because when Rory and Dean fall asleep, they like fall asleep and they wake up. They're woken up by Miss Patty in the morning yoga class at 5.30. Which I fully want to go to that class. Oh yeah. It's Miss Patty and like a bunch of 50-year-old women. I want to be in this class so badly. Sunrise, snow, old lady yoga. (laughs) I'm there. And it's so funny because Miss Patty is like talking to Rory in like the most cautious people. She's like, Rory? Did you fall asleep? And then Dean goes, what, what time is it? And her voice changes abruptly. And she goes, it's 530 in the morning. (laughs) So pissed at Dean. And then of course they both spring up and try to run home. And I think Dean, this is a moment where he's genuinely likable when he actually tries to go with her, with Rory and like explain it. And I think that's the right thing to do. Even though of course he knows that that's number one, it wouldn't help. And number two, they're not, Rory's not going to let him go with her. That's a very mature and considerate move. And I think, you know, bravo, Dean, for doing that. Yeah, except it's also a really dumb move. That would have been really bad. (laughs) Can you imagine if she let him come? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, that is one of those moments, though, that you respect Dean, because he he has to know if he shows up, he's going to be the one to get the brunt of it. You can see he genuinely cares about Rory there. One of the moments I buy it. I'm like, oh, okay. But so, of course, Emily shakes Lorelai awake and she's like, this grace is when I just had, I had the volume down so low (laughs) and I don't even know what the point was, like, so they wouldn't hurt me. I do that stuff. Like, I'll turn away and like look down at what I'm doing. I'm like, don't process it. It's so stressful because also you can feel the stress of the situation, even though like, you know, what's going on. So you're both like stressed about the interactions that are happening and like, because it's genuinely really scary. Like Emily at this point, I mean, as much as she's freaking out and Lorelai's freaking out, like it, it, it is very frightening if this happened. You probably think they get a car accident, right? For sure, for sure. I don't think your first thought is they stayed it all night and had sex. I think it's like they got kidnapped or hit a tree or like, you know, God forbid. So I think not to say way awkwardly, that's, a, that's our Kill More Girls main moment of the episode. <laughs> Because like Rory missing is really where this, the show could have, it's still early enough for the show to have taken off in a very different direction. Rory kidnapped by Suki's drug dealer. (laughs) Yes. I would watch that. Let's reboot it. We can do, we can make our own reboot. We can play all the characters. Yeah. I like somebody I care about, like not being able to reach them. Oh, it's terrifying, especially your daughter, like on her first, like real night away doing this stuff. It's just, I mean, Emily is wrong to like yell at Lorelai as she's running around, but like, of course they're both freaking the F out. And thank God that Miss Patty calls. Yes. 
well done, Miss Patty. She knew immediately Lorelai's going to be a mess. <laughs> she's, she's like, yes, I'm in the middle of drama, but she cares. Also, like, <laughs> when Lorelai says they were at Miss Patty's, and Emily goes, what is that, a motel? Like <laughs> She's not far off. <laughs> Ironically, I just remember that Rory and Dean later hook up together there, like in the fourth season, fifth season. Oh my God, you're right. I just remember that on the yoga mats. No. You know what, Miss Patty? Respect. Lorelai was just concerned about it several years too early. I totally, totally forgot about that. I did too, until I just, like something clicked in my head. That was definitely a deliberate reference too when they do that. Um, I just, it's too stupid to catch it. But yeah, so Emily is like, when she learns that, she freaks out and she's like, Rory's going to get pregnant. She's going to ruin everything just like you did. You're going to lose her just like I lost you, which is awful. That's awful to say. I just kept noting every time they were using the word like ruin or like forever, <laughs> ruin your life. Every, I mean, everything was, is so dramatic and it's really awful. And, and, and Lorelai points this out. Mm-hmm. Um, look, mom, look around, mom. This is a life. Yeah. Like it may have a little color in it. So you may not recognize it. Yeah. I think that's the heart of the conflict. It's Lorelai is not even hurt that like Emily's rehashing the whole pregnancy thing or like blaming her or whatever. I think she's hurt that like, she's clearly worked so hard to make a life for herself and to be independent and like to get this nice house and this great job and to get Rory through school and Rory's doing great and she's doing great. And then to hear her mom like say that, you know, she ruined her life because of this is to discount all that work and to just be really like, just really cruel, you know? And I think it's more about like, it's, it's another instance of Emily invalidating Lorelai and not like seeing her and listening to her. And that's really is it's more, if not as much as what the fight is about as all the other cool stuff she's saying. Yeah. And, but then the other thing that I hadn't thought of until now, cause we've been talking about like later seasons and the reboot and everything, how like Emily keeps saying like, what kind of mother would let this happen? What kind of mother would, you know, not know what her daughter is up to her. And <laughs> Lorelai's like, well, you didn't. Yeah. She goes, I don't know, mom, what kind of mother were you? Oh my God. <laughs> and like so much of the reboot is about them coming together as like the Gilmore girls being the three women and I think this is one of those early moments when you get a sense that like at least Amy Sherman Palladino was sort of planting this idea that like Emily is really talking about herself like wow that's really smart oh that's so sad yeah like she's even as she's yelling at Lorelai she's she's yelling at herself like what how did I let this happen yeah dude that's such good analysis Like Lorelai raises a good point, which is like, if I really was this wild child, like how was I able to get out and do this stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, that's never really answered. Like we never know if it's because Emily was like, if Lorelai really wasn't that wild or Emily was like genuinely, you know, unable to control her or whether like Emily was just not around or like it was a combination of all those things or like just sometimes kids go out and like party, like whatever. Yeah. And I got the sense that she only slept with Christopher. In the revival, she says that she was sleeping with, like, another guy when Richard, like, walked in. Do you remember that? In, like, the pool house, and they had just, like, finished hooking up. And then she says that, like, that, like, the ship on her virginity had sailed a long time ago. So I think she probably slept with, like, two or three guys. I completely forgot about that. You're right. I think she probably was, like, two, three or four. I don't, I mean, regardless, I think that she wasn't, like, disappearing for weeks at a time. She was, like, going out and maybe getting caught, like, swinging out to a party. But Emily and Richard had such unrealistic expectations 
for her, which is ironic because I think that Lorelai sometimes has unrealistic expectations for Rory. And that's what really comes to play in this scene that like anything less than that is like, oh, you ruined your life. Lorelai's like, no, like things went a little sideways and like, look, everything's fine now. And I am actually proud of myself for how I've built things up. And Emily just can't see that because she deviated from the plan. And that's really frustrating for her. Same with what'll happen with Christopher and his parents. Yeah. During this fight, I I kept thinking back to how you pointed out, and I don't know how this like went over my head for years, just how infantilized Lorelai's bedroom, like, yep. Or Lorelai's entire life was, and that's demonstrated through her bedroom. You were like, this is like a child's bedroom. A child's bedroom. Yeah. So of course, if like, that's the amount of like control and like level they expected her to be at, like, of course, anything is going to look like a really terrible rebellion. And then, of course, she does concede that even if she was this wild teen, Rory's not like that. And she has a nice moment where she really, really defends Rory. And it's like, Rory's not going to screw up. She's not going to get pregnant. Like, I trust her. And Rory comes in at the house at this time and overhears that. So I think it must have been really nice to hear your mom standing up for you like that. And as she kicks Emily out because Emily says that, like, you ruined your life. And that's the point for Lorelai where she just can't take it anymore because of what we were just saying. But... Rory comes in and she's like, mom, thank you. I think you, ex- I mean, the show sets you up to expect that Lorelai is going to be like not freaking out at her about this. And she turns around and lashes out at her and you're like, <gasps> oh, and you know what? I don't want to talk about this too much because it's in the future, but remember Richard does this to Lorelai. Yes. Um, with Christopher's parents. When Laura, yeah, right. When he, when she, he defends her. Oh, that moment breaks my heart. I hate that. I mean, I love it because it's good, but I hate it. And she's like, thank you for defending me. And he's, and he, he freaks out at her. Wow. That's so good. I will say, I think Laura is very wrong in the way she reacts. And I think that Rory is right. That like the reason she's reacting this way is because Emily like screamed at her for it and like nailed her, you know? Though I don't even know what she would have mailed her for. I think what she just means is that like Emily had an opportunity to yell at you. But like, I do think it's fair for Lorelai to be still freaked out because she doesn't know where her daughter was for the past 12 hours. And I think that like Rory getting a dressing down in general is not unreasonable. No, uh, <laughs> Lorelai is awakened from her Vicodin uh, sleep slumber <laughs> to discover her daughter's missing. You have a right to, you know, yeah. be able- <laughs> she has a right to be like what the heck where were you and for her to be like I can explain let me tell you and then like to take a minute to calm down I think it's understandable from like an emotional standpoint why she immediately goes into like you're going on the pill thing I think it's really cruel and awful that she just doesn't give Rory space to talk and that she lashes out at her in that way because she's really mean and really kind of like scary you, Emily's scary in these mom- in this moment too yeah you pointed out And I think we're both on the same page that like, how cool to have like the conversation, at least like start the conversation about a young woman going on birth control. I know. Lorelai's like, you're getting on the pill. And like, it's so bad in this moment because it's completely wrong. But like, I was like, I'm just happy to hear them say the pill on this show. I know. Like, no, not cool to threaten someone's bodily autonomy by forcing them onto a medication, but cool to normalize the talking about birth control. Yeah. And I think if this show didn't have like WB censorship breathing down their necks, I think that realistically, like Lorelai and Rory would have had having birth control conversations a lot. Like that to me is one of the most inconsistent things about the show that like they don't talk about that stuff. I think Rory probably still would have been weird about it because she has hangups about sex leading to pregnancy automatically and like commitment and all that jazz, which we'll see later in the show. But like, 
yeah, I, I was just like, oh, look, well, we get a, we get a mention of it. And we don't really any other time, but it's still the wrong. I mean, it's, it's, it's a manipulative and wrong and cruel deliberately. She's trying to be cruel time to bring it up. Yeah. And Rory's understandably upset because she was not having sex and she doesn't have any plans on having it anytime soon. And I think this is why I, I don't really like the next episode too. It really is hard to see the tension between Rory and Lorelai, you know? It's hard to watch. This is where the episode ends. Like Rory, st- oh my God, I said hard to watch again. That to be the title of this episode, but I think that's going too far. It's going too far. <laughs> well, also because it's not, we're, we're only doing things they say on the show, but it's, this is our unofficial title. <laughs> we'll use it to advertise it. Also, everyone's acting in this scene is on point. That's what makes it such difficult viewing. <laughs> yeah, if it sucked, the acting, it would be like, mm. but you, you feel it. You really do. And I think that's a testament to the writing and also a testament to the character development they've done so far is that like, you really care about this scene and it's painful. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Go listen to Tom Waits if you haven't and then get back to us on that. Yeah. Misery is the river of the world, guys. Um, <laughs> But you know, I like, I'm really glad that I, this is always an episode I skip and it's just because of the last few minutes. <laughs> I loved this episode. I think this is very, it, it's as close to perfect as a season one episode gets. Mm-hmm. Well done all around. Well done, everyone. Do you want to rate it? Yeah, let's rate it. All right. What do you want to give it? I think I'm going to give it a nine. I was thinking nine or nine five. What did I give last episode? <laughs> I think you and Evo. Did we give it a nine five? I don't remember. I remember I gave it a 7.5. I know. I think, okay, if I gave it last episode a 9, I'm going to give this one a 9. If I gave last episode a 9.5, I'm going to give this one a 9.5. I think this is just as good of an episode in a different way, and I think this is a more emotionally complex episode. So while the other one may be more of a classic Gilmore Girls episode, this is my personal favorite episode of the season. Yeah, I have bad associations with it because it's so much emotional intensity, and I think it's so tightly plotted and so well-written that yeah well just well done well done asp and leslie linkletter yeah next week we come at you with another difficult to watch emotional episode which i also really like clearly we're getting a theme for me that i like the gilmore girls family drama i think that's my favorite stuff and i like gilmore girls hospital episodes which sounds like a demented thing to say but i do (laughs) so we're gonna get not to spoiler uh we won't tell you who goes in the hospital it's probably not who you think so maybe it is but if you're thinking about in terms of people in this episode it's not so <laughs> max. No, it's max <laughs> all right thank you for ringing the bell with us thank you and we'll see you next week